It seems as if everybody had a very good Thanksgiving. It looks like people have moved seats, which is amazing. I mean, that, that is like a whole new thing. Um, I don't know about you, but one of my favorite times of the year is Christmas. Um, so I know it kind of gets us early, particularly if you get to the shops in about September when you start to see Christmas decorations. But one of the things I love about this Christmas season is that everybody gets to celebrate Christmas. Um, whether you like it or not, if you're at the um, Hartsfield Airport, you're listening to Christmas carols, whether you like it or not. And I think that's amazing, particularly in a world that is secular, um, that everybody stops. If you haven't got Boney M playing in the background, then you haven't lived. <laughs> so, friends, it is really good to have Christmas as a season to celebrate. So, welcome to our Advent time of worship. Today, we have the children in church with us for a while. They're going to be in for until we come to the place of the offering. Tim is here. So, if it feels terribly boring, you guys can go and leave with Tim, and he'll come and take you upstairs so that you'll spend a little bit of time together, the children and the tweens. Part of what we do at Christmas time and at the beginning of Advent is we celebrate as a family. So I'm going to invite Richard and Myra and Sebastian and Lionel. I know that's not 100% right, but it's, get, it's getting better than I was, right? I've been given lessons. Um, he told me a few weeks ago, months ago, that you better get my name right. <laughs> But they're going to be joining us as they lead us now in the, um, in the lighting of the wreath. So I'm going to invite um, Myra and Richard to read for us, and then they will light the candle. My husband, Richard, and I will be reading, so I'll be reader one. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. We are glad, whether we drove in or climbed up, whether we logged on or turned in, we are glad to be here in this community with this family. It is a place of joy, joyful hope, of radical welcome. It is a place where together we can wait in wondrous anticipation of the kingdom to come. Many people shall come and say, come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob that God may teach us God's ways and that we may walk in God's paths. We light this candle as a sign of our hope, our joyous hope that we can be restored, our faith restored, our strength restored, and confidence restored, our joy restored as we watch and wait with all God's people for the promise to be fulfilled. Thank you so much. Friends, we now stand in worship. You'll notice that Michael is away. He's visiting family. It's a big secret. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> um, it's a big surprise for his mom, so let's hope she's not watching. Um, let's stand, and thank you so much, Dave. Who's glad to be here? I am glad to be here, and I'm glad to see all of you here get to see at least one friend that's in for the holiday, so um, it's good to see you. One, two, three, four. 
Good morning, I'm Pastor Lisa, and I want to welcome you on this first Sunday of Advent, the Sunday of hope. There will be a response in the prayer. You'll catch on pretty quick, I trust you guys. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Compassionate God, in this time of darkness, we wait in hope for the one who will come and redeem us. As we revel in the merriment of the season and the sparkle of decorations, we need to remember that there are also many for whom the holiday season isn't one of joy and good cheer. We pray for those who cannot see the light in the darkness, that they would find hope. 
not in the commercial side of Christmas, but in the promise of the Christ child. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who face the aftermath of natural disasters and the cleanup ahead. Those who have lost homes and businesses and even people they love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who grieve this Advent season, fearing the first Christmas after losing a loved one, that they would know your comfort and find hope in the promise of the resurrection. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who struggle to feel joy because they're mired in mounting bills and in despair for lack of employment, that they would have faith that you will provide. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for our military families who are separated by great distance from their loved ones. Those tables that have an empty seat this Christmas, Lord, that they would rely on you for strength and protection. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those whose family dynamics make holidays not a time of festive joy, but of stress and anger. We pray that through your grace, hearts can be softened, old hurts can be released, and a door might be opened to reconciliation. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We lift our joys and give over our concerns, those we've spoken and those in our hearts, to your tender care. We recognize that the hope we celebrate this Advent morning is not just a passing feeling, but a deep resounding response to you and gratitude for what you have given us in your son. And we pray as he taught us to. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thy is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, we will now receive the offering, and as we do that, I invite the children and the tweens to join Tim. Tim will take you up to the children's area and spend some time in ministry with you. So if you're wanting to follow Tim, here he is. If you don't know Tim, and this might be your first time, um, I think everyone knows Tim here, right? <coughs> Thanks so much, Tim. We will receive the offering now. Friends, as we receive the offering, and at the beginning of Advent, you will see in our bulletin we have invitations for what the next couple of weeks um, bring us. We will have, obviously, services every single Sunday. And then on the 24th, we will have two services, one in the afternoon at 4.30, and then again later on, I believe, I think it's at 4 and then at 5.30. And then this year, you've probably checked your calendars, Christmas is on a Sunday. So we get a double whammy this year, okay? Um, we get to be here on Saturday, we get to be here on Sunday, we get to be here right throughout that weekend. So it's actually really is a special 
special um, day. And then a week later, we get to celebrate on the beginning of the new year on a Sunday as well. So um, won't you diarize that time as we just allow God's Spirit to touch us at the beginning of this Advent season. It was certainly my first Thanksgiving and experiencing um, what it means to just be with family and friends. What a joy to have seen so many pictures of family and friends reunited at this time. So let us take and receive the offering now. Thank you. Let's pray. For God, we receive this offering today. We thank you for your abundance, for your gifts. We thank you for the sacrifices made in this offering. We are reminded, Lord God, at the beginning of Advent that you gave your son. So part of our journey in this time is to receive the gift of that love and to give. Use these gifts now, Lord, for the extension of your kingdom. May we be wise in the way we use them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Won't you please rise? Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of Death could not... 
to Dave and to the worship team for leading us in this time of worship. Let us pray together. We pray, Lord God, that our worship will be an experience of your love and your grace and your forgiveness. We thank you, God, for the season of Advent, a time, Lord, where we focus on the birth of Christ again in our lives. Christ has paid the price for our sin, and he has searched for our presence. And we pray, God, that through your love and your mercy, we will find him again this year. Take us on a journey to a place that opens in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls, and in our longing, the birth of our Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The scripture reading we read today is from the book of Isaiah, and I'm reading to you from Isaiah chapter 2, from verses 1 through to 5. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the house of, in the light of the Lord. And so we begin our Advent season, a time of hope. With a new imagination, can you imagine what God has planned for you? Anyone doing Secret Santa this year? 
Anyone? Okay. Anyone used that new Secret Santa app? Anyone? Okay, so we are having Christmas together as a family, and my sister found an app, okay? So it was really simple. She sent out the app to our family, okay? You had to click on the app. You had to put in your email, like most people have to do when they want your information. And then you had to, and, and it was preloaded with all the names. And then something happens in the cloud and cyberspace. And the next thing, a name pops up on your screen. You are the secret Santa for, and like, you know, and then it's all, it, it, it's a wonderful app, you know. But the truth is, you're not supposed to share that excitement with anyone. So, you know, we get very excited, we, we do the app, and it comes up, and the very first thing I do, take a screen grab, take a screenshot, we use WhatsApp in our family group, send them, I've got, <laughs> Leslie, I happen to draw my sister, chaos erupts in the group. Because it takes quite a bit to organize this app. You have to input the information. And then, you know, first of all, my little niece says, redo, redo. So that, that probably took about another 15 days and about 75 new notifications, you know, where there was now a massive debate on whether we redo the Santa. But now because we've now drawn this twice, there's a little bit of confusion, and now we're not sure that everyone is on the list of the secret Santa. <laughs> what should have been a very simple, you know, on the left, on the right, match the names, that simple has turned out to be catastrophic because we are using this incredible new app. <laughs> I'm only hoping and praying that everyone gets a gift come Christmas Day, you know, when, when we all get together. And so technology has a wonderful way of transforming our lives. And really, when we come to the Advent season, we live in between two places, incredible tradition and new things. We saw that while we sung this last hymn. You, you would have noticed the cadence of everyone singing Blessed Assurance. And then there was, thank you, Dave, a whole new dimension. And so we were like, what's going on? Now, you know, and, and so that's what we do. We are used to tradition, and there is something new. And so that's really the journey of Advent. It is a journey. We read from the prophets in the book of Isaiah that speak about the fact that we are going to the mountain of the Lord from generation to generation. Historically, we, we make a journey to the place of Christ's birth again. And so this is our Advent time where we start with hope. I'm not sure what has happened for you this year. I'm not sure what is going on in your life or where you sit. I'm not sure sometimes where we are as a church, but we are called at the beginning of our Christian calendar to focus very simply on hope. And that's what I'd like to speak about today, hope. I want to speak about three things, that hope is the place where our deepest longings are met, and our deepest lessons are learned. Hope is a place that heals us. Hope is a place that transforms us. So let's have a look for the next couple of minutes on how it is that we enter the season of Advent. I want 
want you to hold during this season one question, and that is, what do you imagine that God is going to surprise you with this Advent season? I certainly know that our, our secret center is no surprise, thanks to me. Um, <laughs> but really, Christmas is about surprises. I remember what it was like when I had little children and that excitement at Christmas time. The older you get, the softer the presents get, and you know it's socks or a tie or something that you really need. But I remember when the children were little, the absolute excitement, um, that, that, that anticipation for Christmas Day. That, that, I mean, I think that Daniel used to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Um, it was just that incredible anticipation, and that is really the hope and the longing. So come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord. Let us walk in his light. Let us journey to the light. Let us come into a season and discover a hope where our lessons are learned and our longings are, find, are found. So I want to invite you to firstly look back. Look back. Part of what we do during Advent is we look back. Looking back, we need to discover, what have you learned this year? What, what have you learned in this year that has gone past, from last Christmas to this Christmas? What experiences have you gone through? And what has been your greatest lesson? I don't know why you're laughing, Dawn, but, <laughs> but it must be funny, and thank you so much for that. No. Richard Raw says something really interesting. He says, hope is the patient and trustful willingness to live without full closure, without resolution, and still be content. I want to say that again. Hope is the patient and trustful willingness to live without full closure, without resolution, and still be content. It is, not, it is now at another level, and our source of hope is beyond ourselves. One of the things that Christmas brings us into, that Advent opens up for us, is our hope is not based on ourselves. Hope is not based on ourselves. In the Advent season, we actually find a deep expression of hope in the birth of our Savior, knowing that his death is to come. It allows us to, to enter a place and to choose to participate in hope. It's the one place where we make a choice to participate in hope. Advent is a season where we choose to be part of the hope or not to be part of that hope. And so we look back and through the lenses of hope, we look at those four things. Looking back, what have I learned? What do I leave behind? What do I celebrate? And what is my longing? Advent is a time where we enter the season willfully to look at what are the things that we are longing for. It is the place where we choose to live without full closure. I don't know about you, but I, I, my nature is to have full closure. I, I, like to, I like to have firm decisions all wrapped up in one. Anyone else like that in the room? Okay, pretty much most of us are like that in the room. 
But my greatest lessons have been learned when there isn't full closure. When there isn't, like, you know, simple full stops and commas and good grammar. It's really the place where, where we kind of wobbly. That's the place of our deepest growth. And so Advent is always that. It invites us into a season to embrace the, the, re, the struggle between the cradle and the cross. Because that's, I mean, look, look at how we've decorated our Christmas tree. Our Christmas tree is really one that holds the gift of the cross next to the cradle. And so we live in, in really what feels like an unstable reality, but ultimately one that grows us. And so we can look back, not with shame, not with anxiety, but really with a sense of deep love and saying, what is it that I have learned from this year? Where, what have I learned from my mistakes? What have I learned from my failings? What have I learned from the things that have been destructive? What ultimately have I learned? Because that's what we enter Christmas with, with a season of hope. The second thing that I want to speak about today is that Advent is a season of healing. Hope actually heals us. One of the things that Walter Brueggemann speaks about when he speaks about hope, he says, hope really is to trust in what God will do despite the evidence. To trust in what God will do despite the evidence. So let's have a look at the evidence. We have a young woman living in the first century, living in the Middle East. She's unmarried. She's poor. She comes from a family that really has very little means. We have no evidence of her mother in the story. We certainly know that there is extended family. But here we have a woman that actually has really very little future. Based on the evidence, she's set up for failure. When we have a look at the statistics, if you have a look at the statistics, I'm sure you'll see the stats of Broward County on vulnerable people. She falls in that statistical paradigm. She's vulnerable. She has nothing. She's pregnant. She is betrothed to be married, and really, according to the law, she, she really could have been stoned to death. That was ultimately what, what the evidence suggests. If you're a lawyer and you're building a case of evidence, again, the evidence is weighed against her. And somehow, at the Advent season, there is a transformation of the evidence. And so if we are going to only rely on evidence, we are never going to discover hope. One of the most difficult things to deal with in the human soul and in human relationships is the moment when hope is lost. You know that. When you have reached a place in your own life, when you have no more hope, it's really the place that defeats us. And often it is when we measure the evidence where we become, it's, it's exactly like Peter was when he was walking on, on the, the storm where he looked at all the raging storms around him. The evidence suggested that he should sink and drown and be destroyed. But that's the place where Jesus enters. Trust in what God will do despite the evidence. 
And so what we need to do is, I suppose, part of what Christmas is, is, is the advent is the mystery of dealing with the evidence. Because sometimes we become our own worst enemies in actually looking at the evidence. This morning in, in preparation for today, one of the places that, that you find a huge difficulty is looking at these tragic murders in America. I mean, I'm a foreigner, and I'm very aware of being a foreigner, of speaking into a context as an outsider. But when there was a map that came up um, that I looked at, that kind of statistically it had little red dots all over the different places. I don't know if you've seen that map, where, where these school, university murders have happened. It actually leaves you speechless. But if we become defeated by the evidence, or really enthralled in a debate that seems to have no end, because the debate around the gun-free laws doesn't seem to be able to solve the, the situation. Am I right? I mean, it's the ongoing debate. But if we lose hope, we have lost everything. So we have to have a hope, despite the evidence, that we can change the imagination of our humanity, that we can stop this tragedy. It has to be stopped. It really has to be stopped. We cannot allow children to be in fear. Cindy's told me about what it's like to go to school and, and the kind of uh, how people, I mean, parents, my sister was so afraid to send her little girl to school. We cannot allow the evidence to cripple a nation. We can't. Something has to change. Those dots. Or, I mean, they, they've done comparisons all over the world. That's something that needs to change. And you see, that's really what Advent is about. It's about entering those places where the evidence suggests nothing in this place can change because the outcome is on a certain trajectory. But that's where Christians enter. That's where we enter. We enter the place to say, well, we are part of a religion and a faith that really moves beyond the evidence. And quite frankly, it's foolish. If you've ever wondered if you are foolish of a Christian, I want you to rest assured today you are. Just let's take a deep breath. We are. I mean, we have to be fools to imagine that God is going to use an illegitimate, powerless woman to birth the Savior of the world and then to, to take Jesus, really, quite frankly, an insignificant part of the world in the Middle East and actually bring a Savior where, where for thousands of years and in, in 2033, we'll have 2,000 years later, the mystery of the gospel moved against the most powerful of all empires. And we're still asking those same questions. What is going to become of Christianity at the moment? You're following some, some popularist debate. There's a lot of debate around the future of Christianity. There's a lot of debate around the future of the United Methodist Church. There's a lot of debate around the future of our faith. But I want to remind you, we're a people that holds a faith, that trusts in God despite the evidence. 
So I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what evidence you've been given recently. Oh, my golly. <laughs> Look, I knew these. Yeah. I, I passed a lot of Baptist churches, guys, when I was on my way. <laughs> I thought it was only in Baptist churches that people said amen. <laughs> we are part of a movement that deals differently with evidence. And so whatever you deal with in this Advent season, we are a people of great persistence. We are a people that of great vulnerability. I think one of the things that we cannot avoid during Advent is vulnerability. Next week, we're going to baptize two babies. Isn't that going to be stunning? I know, it's going to be really exciting. You know, two babies, like right during Advent. And, you know, we, we've watched, uh, you know, I've actually seen a baby really kind of come into this church. And there is nothing more gorgeous than, than a baby, a brand new baby. I'm looking forward to being a grandmother. I mean, that's the truth. <laughs> Not yet, yet but, but definitely. But I mean, there is, there is something about the vulnerability of a child, mostly because they can't talk back yet. <laughs> but it is in that vulnerability that we really discover a new type of strength. So I'm going to invite you to discover not only a hope that looks back and says, well, what have I learned? What do I need to leave behind? But also, how is hope healing me? Hope heals us when we don't look at the evidence. We were at a funeral yesterday. We, um, Hyacinth, Amy's sister-in-law, was buried. Hyacinth had been part of this congregation for a number of years, and she wasn't well. She wasn't able to worship with us, and we had the moment of celebrating her life yesterday, and I was part of that. And it really, you know, ultimately in the death of a person of deep faith is a new kind of evidence for the family. It opens heaven in a whole new way. And we got to celebrate her life, and we got to hope for something in the future. So welcome vulnerability this Christmas season. Welcome vulnerability. Welcome the places that, that the, the places that don't make sense. Live in the disequilibrium, because that's ultimately the invitation of Christmas. And give your space self room to change. One of the things that you discover about the, the upper room where Jesus' disciples were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit is that it's right above David's tomb. So where David is buried, and obviously, as you know, for the Jewish people, David's tomb is a very special place where people visit. It is a place where traditionally people go for a deep and meaningful expression of their faith. And then in the upper room is just above David's, uh, David's tomb. And it is the place where the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples. Christmas is about visiting our traditions, but allowing the Spirit of God to transform them. It is about being vulnerable and living where there isn't complete closure on everything. We live with a cradle, we live with a cross. We live with a vulnerability, and we live with a strength. The final thing I'd like to speak about this morning is that hope is the place that transforms us. Advent is a season of longing. 
The next couple of weeks is a season of preparing. It is also a season of giving. Now, I know that often in churches, we get, we get kind of taken up into, well, what is the real Christmas? You know, you've all heard that debate. Can I say that I think it's all the real Christmas? I think it is. I think it's all real. When you out at Costco, it's the real Christmas. When you're out in the streets, it's the real Christmas. When you're finishing up and going to, to wonderful recitals at school, it's the real Christmas. It's the real thing. How we live our lives is real. So I'm going to leave you with a couple of questions because it's a journey and we're on our way to the mountain of the Lord, to the light of Christ. I want to leave you not just with a question of reflection of the past, but I want to ask you something today. Who needs you most at the moment? Who needs you? Think of people in your life. Think of people in your family. Think of people in your world. Think of your friends. Think of people maybe that are just acquaintances. Who needs you this Christmas? And then I'm going to ask you something. Who and what do you need? The next biggest challenge on our Secret Santa list was for my parents at 75, without an email address, to my dad, actually, to make his list. Because in order for Secret Santa to work, you had to have an email address, and you had to do your list, because then it kind of paired you up with something that Amazon did. Okay. So <laughs> th th this made it an altogether impossible experience for my father. But we had to like phone him and we had to make an email for him and we had to find out what did he need. And it was difficult for him to make that list. But I want to ask you not to make your list for Santa or for Father Christmas, but what do you need? What do you need? What do you need from God? What do you need from people? What do you need from your children? What do you need from your family? What do you need from your friends? What do you need from the church? What do you need from this community? And sometimes we don't often speak about that. What do we need? But, you know, we need something. Facebook is a wonderful way of connecting us in the world. And I had the privilege over a couple of years of mentoring quite a lot of young people. And it's kind of one of these things, like, you know, once you move on to a brand new context, all of a sudden people realize that they miss you a lot. <laughs> and so they kind of, they tend to connect with you. And, and I've had lots of those moments. And they've really been precious moments of being able to connect with young people that have said, you've really helped mentor me. And, and the truth is, they have been a great blessing to me. And so I've needed them as much as they've needed me. And to, uh, it's been interesting because I got another picture of someone in the church that sent a picture of someone who turned 70. And, I, and, and for 20 years, there have been a group that has been meeting. Church's ultimate purpose is to actually create meaningful connections. So we ask the questions, who and what do you need? And finally, the last thing for, for a transformed, hope-filled Christmas is what can you do for someone that can do nothing for you? Advent is an invitation to discover a hope that transforms us. It is a season of longing. 
It is a season of giving. It is a season of old things and new things. It is a season of hope. Christianity has had a history of ongoing transformation. We are a creative movement. We are a forward learning movement. And we are an adapting movement. Think about the way people that believed in Jesus Christ have been changing and adapting from the very first century, from that very first moment where they sat around that table and shared that meal. And so I invite you this Advent season to stop worrying about full stops, but rather put commas and let us go on a journey to discover the Christ in our lives again. Let us pray together. We pray this morning for the promise of your birth. We pray, God, that this season of Advent may usher in for us a promise of salvation in our lives. We have spent a lot of time dealing with the evidence that destroys hope. But today, God, we recognize that the evidence doesn't hold power when you are present. For the gift of our faith is of an insignificant woman bringing the Christ child to this world. Our faith is about Calvary that should have concluded your life, but that changed the world. So we pray, God, that you would instill in us the fire of your spirit, that hope would be reborn in us today, that our words would bring life and hope, that our actions would bring life and hope. Heal our longings this Advent. Transform our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much, Dave. Won't you please rise?
generation and your family and your children and the children and the children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and the children and the children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you he is with you he is with you in the morning in the evening in your coming and your going he is breathing and rejoicing he is for you 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 together. And so God, as we go now into this world, may we be beacons of hope. May we allow ourselves to be vulnerable, but especially surprised by your presence. In the grace, in the love, and in the hope of Christ we go. Amen. Amen. Friends, we'd love to see you out in the fellowship hall for some wonderful eats and have a lovely week, and we'll see you next Sunday.